Mine was a yogurt granola pot from Pret. Oh, mm. likewise. No, see, I know, right? So people like who work in department stores, the breakfast or whatever we call them. The breakfast of champions. Let's fight. Okay, the interview process. <laughs> We're ready to go. Hey, well, that's it. I think that's a go. Welcome, welcome back to the studio, everyone. So we've uh, we've been away for a while, wandering the uh, the hot pavements of retail. And either before this episode or after this episode, you'll hear our um, reports from New York. But not New York now. We are in autumnal London, and it's a great pleasure to have with me. Well, basically, distilled Christmas. It's getting dark outside, and we have uh, Fortnum & Mason and Liberty, which I I think is Christmas, but um, I've been told it's not quite as straightforward as that. Uh, Zia's looking a bit nasty at me, and she'll explain why in a second. But uh, let's go around the table. <laughs> let's go around the table. Uh, my bruises are still uh, unhealed. Zia, tell us who you are and where you're from. <laughs> so I'm Zia Zareem Slade. I'm the Customer Experience Director at Fortnum Mason. I'm from London. If that's relevant. Uh, well, we all know that now. Thank you very much. Next. Hi, I'm Eric Ferguson. I'm e-commerce director at Liberty London. And are you from London? I'm not London? from London. I'm from <laughs> far afield, sunny Guildford. Right. Is that great? London? Jamie. I'm Jamie Merrick from Salesforce. But are you from Salesforce or are you from London? No, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Hey, anyway, look, um, let's kick off with Zia then. Tell us about your role, first off, because it's not a normal title in the nicest possible way. Uh, what does that mean? And a little bit as well about Fortnum and Mason. So my role covers a broad spectrum. Mm. I sometimes wonder if that's a, I'm being hoodwinked into just <laughs> doing, doing everything. The, yeah, lots of things that not, <laughs> not everyone else wants to do. But um, essentially I look after business strategy, brand strategy and digital. And within the brand strategy piece, that's anything from product packaging to windows to marketing campaigns and comms advertising, store design, and... and What's left? <laughs> <laughs> Product. <clears throat> Product. Yeah, so that that's basically end-to-end -end, uh, of everything that we say we're going to do or that we're about through to the delivery of that. Mm. Obviously, I'm not operationally responsible for the big teams of uh, fantastic people that deliver that, but, yeah, it's, it's a great, fun... I, I probably have the best job in the world well uh, i would encourage people to look at your instagram feed and uh, i defy anyone not to be totally jealous because uh, i often say it looks like the best job in the world uh, which brings on to what exactly fortner mason does now i i'm still hurting because i said oh it's like a posh department store <laughs> and you just basically thumped me and said no it's not a department store so what posh, what is oh posh oh right that's it right so i'm i'm still so wrong. i'm wrong i'm just <laughs> wrong uh put me right what what is it the house of fortnum mason is a celebration of exceptional food it is a celebration of joy giving things it is a place where memories are made for people and has been like that for 312 years so when we get referred to, which many people do, as department stores. There are brilliant department stores out there. And um, when you look at look at a department store and what they represent and the expectation that they put in a customer's mind, it's pretty much that you should be able to get everything under one roof. Mm. Well, you can't do that at Fortnum's. We don't have a haberdashery department. We don't have many, many, you know, furniture, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's not what we're in the business of. So the core of our 
DNA is food and a great love of of those things and then creating experiences. So we've got seven restaurants and bars in our domain. So, it, you know, um, I can understand why people refer to us as that, but we're quite protective of our place and, and saying we're not uh, a department store. Look, I'm glad uh, you've put that right. So our listener has learned without going through the pain. Um, <laughs> but I'll come back to the food in a second because you're right, it is, it's not only uh, important but very inspiring. But you do have other not departments, but things yeah. for sale. I mean, yeah. you know, some lovely clothing and, uh, you know, artisanal... Gifts. Mainly yes. it's joy giving gifts. There is a great spectrum. So whether it's vintage books or handbags or the most exquisite perfumery or gentleman's grooming or the barber, you know, there is an extensive range of other things that we do sell and that we invite people to come in and enjoy. And in part, that goes back to kind of Fortnum's role in the world very early on, which was to go out and seek the very best that was out in the world and bring it back to London for the good folk of the court of St. James at the time. Mm. Um, and obviously, the world is a very different place. And when you look at people like Netta Porter, that's what they do in, in the fashion game. That's what their, their, their business is. So our business has had to change. When ease of access is is ubiquitous for people, then it it does mean you have to change what you stand for. So one of the things that we have is a very strong kind of point of view on the curation of what we bring in. And it works for us. There's always debate and challenge about how much food and how much non-food we should be doing. Mm. But we hope that people, you know, you don't come to Fortnum's because we sell anything you need. Mm. You know, we're not in the need mm. category. We're in the desire, want sharing and I mean I say that but griots are something that everyone I think needs to experience so if you haven't experienced a griot then please do I, I would like to say we're experiencing one now but sadly uh, we're a griot free student. we are but I did bring biscuits so there we Excellent. go <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm keeping those uh, what, what does curation mean though because when I'm going to go back to your Instagram feed you know there, there are lots of uh, collaborations there are lots of promotion there's also celebrating the uh, the people who created or grown or you know developed mm. the food. So you know how how does that crea- uh, curation work rather than just ringing a wholesale and saying, "Can I have some swan eggs, please?" <laughs> In the world today, Mito, you hear lots of people talking about knowing your customer, and of course that's incredibly important. But actually, if everyone is going, "I know my customer," then we're all listening in the same echo chamber. And so the thing that we've driven through in the last kind of seven years, really, as we've changed and transformed the business is knowing who we are, Mm. knowing what Fortnum and Mason is, knowing its roots, knowing its DNA and knowing its spirit. And by being able to be really confident in your own personality, then that's not trying to appeal to everyone. Mm. And obviously part of that is balanced with understanding where consumers' needs are and their trends and, and, and all of those great things. But you then still have to apply the lens of who you are to all of those things. And so curation for us is, you know, it's a deep-rooted passion across a lot of people who really love, whether it's fresh food or really are just the very best at sourcing and finding and and um, creating the most exquisite chocolates. Um, and then from my perspective, it's kind of the wider creative brand perspective of, you know what, we fill the store every year with art and actually what's our point of view going to be? And this year we did an amazing collaboration with an artist, a Chinese contemporary artist called Zhang On Li, and he was really excited to do it and he created 18 new pieces just for this show because he'd spent time um, in the RA and had always come and bought his tea at Fortnum's. So when you can find those moments, 
But mm. life isn't just tea and biscuits, although they are incredibly important. So <laughs> yeah. when you come to Fortnum's, we want you to have a sensory experience that's beyond just the things that we expect mm. you to take away. And art is a very, very important part of that. Or um, I, I was telling you earlier about a young Australian chef that we kind of discovered. Uh, he'd launched a book. He's got a re very successful restaurant in Australia. And his whole ethos and philosophy about fish is extraordinary and when we came across that we said oh, you know I, I, he's going to launch his book we've got to do more than a book signing but the so ethos we take of it fish in... just in case people you know haven't <laughs> been on their um, their fish course yeah one of the things that you were saying earlier on is the the sheer amount of waste yeah, yeah. with fish so you whip off a fillet or two and then the, the rest. rest goes in the bin unless you make your lovely fish stock of course so uh, what was he trying to do that um, you know, brought him to your attention the book that he has just released called the whole fish um talks about the sustainability agenda and it's not just the use of fish he also the type of fish that he sources he will use fish that most of us wouldn't have either heard of or wouldn't think to eat because most of the time in commercial fishing, that is the kind of stuff they throw back in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so he utilises that. Um, and I think on average, and I, I may have this wrong, but it's about 70% of any fish is wasted. Well, in this day and age, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And we've all heard of those chefs who celebrate nose-to-tail eating. And he's basically applied that philosophy to fish and kind of is very curious about why we don't, why more mm. people haven't. And what was extraordinary, I mean, the food in and of itself is the most unbelievable stuff I've e ever eaten. The salted salted caramel ice cream made with sea bream fat. I mean, just <laughs> blows your mind. Mine. Not that sea bream are notoriously <laughs> chubby little things either. So, um, it kind of... I've never, I've never seen a, a sea bream with fat shamed no. uh, on a podcast before. <laughs> I didn't fat shame him. I exactly. He, exactly. he was delicious. Um, <laughs> Just right. Or she. And um, so that, that was amazing. But also watching what happened to our team. So obviously the magic of Fortlands is, is the people that deliver the experiences for everyone day in, day out. And uh, we have about 70 chefs in our business. And to watch them be so um, interested and passionate about what this young chef mm. was doing was incredible. Like, what a powerful thing to be able to do. Yeah. But and you didn't just stock his sea bream fat salted caramel no. ice cream, lovely though that would be. I mean, you really went to town in terms of support and activity yeah. around it. But it's uh, the thing for me when, when we look at doing anything in the brand is it's integrity. And we genuinely were really impressed and enthused by what he was doing. So we could have had a one one moment where we said, okay, well, we'll do a little book soiree and off we go. But actually looking at it, it the, the conversation that he is bringing to the table, the provocation is so interesting and current that it warranted more than that. So we did put a menu of his items in our wine bar. We did a master um, class with him and chefs, the chef community, and we had you know, in excess of 30 London chefs all kind of going, can I come, can I come, can I come? And that was an extraordinary morning where mm. they got to watch him at work and have a good discussion about how he operates. He then did um, a fantastic dinner for a group of people and that was exquisite and extraordinary. And then there was another in conversation for customers. So an event where in which, you know, people got to learn about what motivates him and how he's gone about. And that was absolutely jam-packed, over 100 people to that. So it shows that the kind of finger on the pulse of understanding where people's mindsets are and mm. what matters to people. You find 
to your point on curation, you kind of go, well, hang on, there's this guy. And all we want to do is help give him a platform. How, how do you adapt that? Because if I think about my memory of your place, as my grandmother from New Zealand used to come across, and yeah. she'd take me up to London, and we'd go to that cafe. Is it called The Fountain? It was called The was Fountain. Called the fountain. No more. So up to date. Um, <laughs> and we used to have Welsh rare bit, and that's my memory of Fort Fantastic. So, so, but my question really is, I guess, what you're talking about now sounds so much more modern and you know more exciting than I used to live in the black and white age. I'm that old. So how, how, how do you stay on top of, you know, what the what people want? I mean, I don't understand how you can kind of get it right the whole time through the through the years, as it were. It sounds like you kind of upped your game recently, but perhaps not. No, well, I would hope so. We've more than doubled the size of the business in the last seven years. So we've, we've right. been doing some some good things from yeah. there. When you break it down, for me, it's quite simple, which is to just be more relevant to more people more often. So we still have nowadays people who come in with their grandmother and they have their Welsh rabbit. Mm. And there is an environment in which they can do that and they're more than welcome to do that and they create those memories. Mm. What's really important is when little Johnny walks out having had that Welsh rare bit, that there's a memory there that makes him feel some kind of emotional connection back to mm. us. And whether he turns up for in five years, 10 years, 15 years, we, none of us can deny those emotional connections that we make with brands and places and experiences. But on the flip side of that, for a community of people who are completely enthralled by what Josh had to say, there's a role for that too. Like, we Think about our own personalities. We're never... Well, most most of the time we're never monotone mm. and our house has to be the same it has to represent lots of different viewpoints and have a little personality whether it's champagne ice pops a couple of years ago or sparkling tea to be relevant to a non-alcoholic audience you've got to play on a number of different dimensions so it's, it's but all balance. of them with that integrity i mean yeah uh, i've i've just visited 102 shops in uh, three days and I was having one of those mini crises thinking, do I really like retail anymore? I mean, <laughs> fantastic buildings. You yeah. know, I did Hudson Yard, did Nordstrom, up and down Fifth Avenue, around Soho. And maybe it's because we're spot in London, but I've got to say there was quite a lot of, yeah. oh, it's just like blah, or I've seen that before. And once you've done a Hong Kong mall or a Singapore mall, it's kind of, I've done malls, get luxury, job done. There was a kind of hollow sameness to the shuffling people wandering around the polished floors, mm-hmm. which to me seems the opposite of what you're saying, this idea of personality. When you find a store with personality, you just want to hug people. <laughs> yeah. now, I think we're both hugely privileged to work in places like that. Yeah. Mm. I remember my first trip to Liberty. I was seven. My father was looking to get a rug. He went up to the top floor. They were all hanging over the banisters. I remember the smell, the creaks, the touch. Mm. And that sticks. And yeah. you know, I obviously didn't go shopping there until probably a good 15 years later. And another 15 plus years, I ended up working there again. But it's that story I have there. Most other people who work there will have something similar. They'll have some early early memories. Mm. There's a huge amount of passion, which is a great thing. It's also occasionally quite an exhausting thing. Mm. But it's um, it, it, it means there's a real excitement and difference. And so where people is understand that, that. Where's that focus? So we've... Uh, you know, hearing from Zia, one of the things that has changed my mind is this idea that there's a, a sort of centre of gravity around food mm-hmm. and around you know, that enjoyment of everything from the provenance to the consumption with personality. So I, yep. I, I feel I've I've moved there. Uh, we were talking earlier on how my memory of liberty was 
uh, you know, the girls' school uniform yeah. in deepest, darkest, wettest Wales <laughs> yes. growing up. This is and quite then wallpaper. incriminating for me, but yes, keep, keep, keep going. Yeah. I wasn't there. Uh, uh, no, uh, luckily. And, uh, so so, so where, where's the heart of liberty now? So I identified with the physical store. Mm-hmm. I'm not overusing the word iconic to say it is yeah. iconic, but I've always seen it as presence and a haberdashery and prints. Yeah, is that the heart, or have I missed something? I think there's more to it. I think compared to Fortnum's, we're a relative upstart. We're 140 years old rather than 300 and 330. We will talk to curation. We describe ourselves as a movement. We try and find and discover some of the most outstanding products, uh, whether it's fashion, whether it's beauty, whether it's homewares, fabrics. And we do that with great passion, and we try and bring that to customers wherever they are, where, if they can't get to the store through through online and digital touch points. I think something that we've got a real authenticity comes from fabric. We have a back catalogue of 40,000 fabric designs. We have a team of 20 outstanding artists who are in the head office constantly designing new collections, uh, which we produce every year on tarna cotton or silk. Through our own channels, uh, fabric is bigger than it's ever been. But we also sell it uh, and wholesale and license it across the world. And as a consequence, that heritage relatively short, but it goes back over 100 years in in Germany and a number of European countries, liberties associated with the Art Deco moment, movement, mm-hmm. and they're almost synonymous. And and so there is a, a, there is a cult passion for liberty dotted around the world. And we are, we're expanding on that. We're, we're drawing on that through our, um, you know, and that's our vision. Uh, we're growing that fabric business. Uh, we are building our own Liberty London range of products. And we launched mm-hmm. our first ready-to-wear collection a handful of weeks ago. Uh, and those are key drivers for us, and, and we're trying to bring that across all areas. So I, I get the movement mm-hmm. idea, but let's say I'm on your website yep. or I'm um, you know, walking on the ground floor. Yep. What's the difference between a movement and 12 pieces that your buying director has decided yep. to put in that corner how, how would I feel the movement rather than just the the ranging? What's, what's the difference to the customer? I think I think in store, it's, it's the staff. I mean, the staff are absolutely fantastic. They are passionate. They've been there a long time. They've gone there. I, you know, I'm sure much like Fortnum, you know, that you have outstanding customer experience. And uh, that enthusiasm and knowledge of the product is able to transform the reason, if it's not apparent, as to why the buyer has gone out and selected this assortment. The challenge is trying to replicate that online. Mm. Uh, where online, you know, a lot of missions are very focused. You go, you're you're looking for something specific, so you need something which is in that Amazon style of of, of functional navigation, which doesn't lend itself to these kind of emotive, passionate, you know, engaging stories. Um, and then we have other missions which really are browsing. So you are looking for gifts, and you are motivated to find something different. And for us, we try and do that through edits. We try and do we 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 have a fantastic editorial team. I've got a team out of my team of forty odd people. Um, Twelve of them work in mm. in in editorial, whether it's product or or stories or interviews. And we try and bring that more and more through the customer journey. Uh, we're going through a site uh, redesign, which will launch um, next year. Again, again, again. <laughs> it's an upgrade on the design. So right. the same technology. Um, There's no need to change. I know, I know, indeed. Um, <laughs> There are enough things for us to focus on to avoid that big uh, project of a, of a full rebuild, and you know our, our, our site's good. But we want to understand how we can 
bring more of that content to customers. Mm. Now, it's interesting you're mentioning content because often you'll find with you know mono stores, these iconic stores, that when they go online, they struggle to reproduce that mm-hmm. uh, expertise and feel from in-store. Yeah. But also they're tempted to then expand the online-only range to yeah. like 20 billion SKUs. Yeah. So yeah. How, how are you, what, what are you targeted on between this, you know, content story yeah. and can't you shift the extended range, you know, yeah. of 100 items rather than the 12 you've curated in store? Where, where, where do you sit on that spectrum? Um, we've got a healthy tension, I think I sit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, because because we're a business that is, um, our, our fabric's at its core and our buyers are at our core because, you know, that, that was what Arthur Lazenby did. He went out and found amazing products and brought them back to sell and show. There's a, there's a theme coming yeah, here about there were, this. Yeah, there are some themes. So a couple of hundred years of Pith helmet, and, and Pith helmet <laughs> and a stout leather bag and voyaging out to bring things back. Um, well, and I think there were, I mean, it wouldn't have been quite like that, but it's it's the same mission, right? And, mm. and, and that, that remains the same today. Uh, we cannot be the place where you find everything. We cannot be the marketplace. There are people out there who are much better at it exactly. than us. Yeah. Uh, and for a lot of people, that's really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't want to be able to find 10,000 variants of product X. Yeah. They want to find something that's really interesting that the recipient may never have seen before. Mm. Uh, or if they have seen it before, they kind of covet it. And that means it is, you know, it's about the selection. So we we have in the last year launched a couple of online only items. Um, but it's purely because they're large, bulky items. So mm. we've got a couple of big hampers, we've got some large kids' toys, things that it doesn't really suit the customer to be able to buy in store and, and take away. So on that point, we're very much towards the experience and, and the engagement yeah. uh, as opposed to let's let's uh, let's just tap into uh, the full pack category. Right. Of- so you must have that healthy tension as well. I mean, because I guess the, ten- the the opportunity with a loyal following that you both have mm. is that you want to make the most out of it. And but how do you manage knowing what the most out of it is? If you see what I mean. For us, there is obviously a very clear commercial demand from mm. customers and in the main bulky items that are rather large, um, but also worldwide delivery. Most of our mm. clients are buying as gifts. Yeah. So there's a whole other dimension to it there. And um, I think because we've been, effectively, we're like the world's oldest startup, right? So that's how I see it. So we're always <laughs> like yeah. kind of going again and again and again. And one of the things we have done in the last few years is, you know, we did re-platform and we redesigned and all that good stuff. And actually there's lots of conversation at that point about, Range extensions. Yeah. You're like, no, Mm. let's do less, but do it better. And so um, there is actually, you know, I think we've only got about three and a half thousand lines online. And Mm. uh, we follow online search and and see what people are looking for. Mm. And we work with the buying team to go, hang on a minute. Such a treat, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. And, and, but the core of what we do Mm. is what we know that customers want. Mm. You know, everyone always thinks, well, you know, it's online, so it doesn't cost anything. To well, no, it does, because then you've still got to have it on a shelf in a warehouse. Mm. Yeah. So actually, I don't want a long, in our uh, total business level, I don't want a warehouse full of single units no. of <clears throat> random stuff that we hope... But also, it's your customer's sell. time. So mm. it yeah. takes them time to go through things. I mean, if if the basis is curation and authenticity, mm. yeah. as in, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting this for you, then, yeah. you know, you don't say, now go and route around the warehouse as well. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, there is... 
there is opportunity outside of our core categories to do more and do better. And we are working actively all the time on different edits or points of view. Um, but more, it's always done with a more holistic customer experience in mind than just going, right, how do we, how do we crank out a ton of stuff online mm. that's completely independent mm. of what the store experience is? So whether it's, you know, obviously there's always opportunity about when you get customers wandering into your shop and going, have you got... <laughs> Like, no, madam, we haven't. <laughs> and you think, mm, I wonder if there's something in this yes. where actually you wouldn't want to give over floor space to yep. it. Yep. So then that allows you to have a better conversation about is there opportunity mm. for online? But I'm not sure I've answered your question. Actually. Well, but it's, it's, there's the healthy tension, yes. And well, I like a balancing the fact that out. There's, there is that conversation. To me, it keeps going back to that idea that you're listening to customers, but you are taking it through the lens of your own vision. Mm. So it, it is really a genuine conversation rather than you know, simply you know, responding to your individual requests. Yeah. How then does that translate internationally slash globally? Because you're you're about to nip off to Hong Kong. Eric, you were talking about international earlier on. Yeah. So let's maybe start off with the traveller might see you. So my wife loves your um your bar at uh, Terminal five, so she she refuses to come to the lounge. And I should say, well, I'll, I'll stay here. You go to the lounge, but I'm like going to stay here. here. Uh, so she's she's an addict. I think she's the winner there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but you know, so she loves that. Next to our office at the Royal Exchange, mm -hmm. you've redone that whole um, hall, which yeah. is now a really lovely place to hang out. So the food is extending. What what does um, you are Hong Kong? Uh, what's happening there? So we are about to open a uh, shop and a restaurant. Shop and restaurant? Yeah. So the restaurant is upstairs. It will be called 181, which is unsurprisingly our address here in Piccadilly. Mm -hmm. oh, I see, right. I see there's some <laughs> auspicious well, numbers. It, it is quite an auspicious Eight. number. Yeah. Symmetry is quite good. <laughs> good. <Yeah>. Excellent. <laughs> but but um, it's levels. actually connected to, to the, you know, it's it's as opposed to... Fort Mason, London, or Fort yes. Mason, Piccadilly, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it just inherently in its DNA kind of adds an element of London into the restaurant. And obviously having its own identities is good, but you access it through the store. It's inherently, we are an experientially mm. brand. Mm. Experientially but what's in that brand. store then? So, so in the store will be what we kind of call our key, key categories. So it is tea, biscuits, um, there will be confectionery, there is wine, spirits and fresh so, you know, Stilton and smoked salmon, all that good stuff. Champagne. So it's a, and hampers and, and it's a good representation of basically the ground floor at Piccadilly. Mm, yeah. So this is back um, to Christmas though. Maybe this is just like a middle class Christmas dream, but you just said everything that just oozes Christmas. Indeed. You're right. We are the home of Christmas, so... And um, and you've only got about thirty nine days to go, so I hope you've done your shopping. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> about yes. I, I, can I just say I do That's hope the hours. listener adjusts uh, her diary for those thirty nine days well, that it, it goes if out. The, the listener will be less than thirty nine days. <laughs> so. so the urgency is only going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the phrase you snooze, you lose. Yeah. Yeah. Snooze, you lose. Yeah. Uh, now, Eric, you are renowned globally. Anyway, uh, what about the global footprint of where? is a liberty-operated thing. I thought you were saying I was renowned globally. I was <laughs> well, we, getting a little carried away. You are now. Uh, <laughs> you're on this show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Liberty London, renowned globally. Absolutely. Um, and I think we spoke a little bit about uh, fabric early. I mean, a lot of that reputation comes from, from fabric. Uh, more recently, some of it comes from some of our Liberty London range, which we have um, developed and sold internationally. 
we've recently enhanced our website to take local payment and lo uh, mm. local currencies and handle local taxes. So that's really facilitating the journey for people who already know about us. We're not doing anything at the moment of any real scale going out trying to find new people uh, who've never heard of Liberty uh, mm. to come and come and join us. That is the next step. And that's that's really exciting for us because we have to take our, our view of of being a movement of this curation and discovery, which you know you can articulate in a few hundred words. It's quite hard to to articulate it in a in a, in a digital instance, to briefly, succinctly mm. to someone who's not uh, not come across it before. And that that's something we'll be working through. I think we're going to lead it behind those those core product categories of 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 fabric and, and Liberty London because those are ours yeah. and those mm. are things that we are the home of and are a brand. It doesn't mean we won't enable customers to buy anything else of our product catalogue that we can facilitate. And we will be enable, enabling dangerous goods, so fragrances and alcohol and things like that. Dangerous goods? Well, uh, that's that's how they're categorised by operations. It's, it's a little little disappointing. If you're, wow. If you're, yeah, from a distribution perspective, mm, it's a little more challenging. It's than... a little more, more paperwork. Right. A lot more paperwork. Do you have um, to um, adapt the uh, the products to the local market in any way, shape, or form, or actually, it's quite the opposite. You actually go, you know, even more British or whatever. I think to begin with, we're definitely going to stay stay authentic to our catalogue. I don't think we have enough. I mean, crudely, I don't think we know enough to know that mm -hmm. um, differentiating or changing or tweaking a product, mm. um, you know, is, is going to be, you know, is is required. We're we're a small business, you know. We're we're big and we're well, we're smaller than we're big. We're growing, you know, a similar similar yeah. growth rate. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not B and W who knows that its Chinese customers want longer wheelbase. You know, it's we're small enough that we can. Uh, bring that heritage, bring more important products to the customers. I mean, I'm sure if Ready to Wear worked and we found out that certain sightings were more relevant in some markets than others, we would adjust our, our mm. eye against those. Yeah. Um, but I think, and and the one hesitation is we do have a, Jap a reasonable business in Japan and we've made some uh, special products lines for that, for, for the Japanese customer, driven by our Japanese local partners. But it's very much, I think, by the by exception rather than Hmm. Uh, a kind of focus strategy. So it's still really just you rather than the uh, global amalgam of, you know, a brand fascia, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is that fabric and product hmm. behind that story. And then the joy, you know, the joy of the web is, you know, once you put your websites on there and traffic, traffic comes in the same way people search and tell you what they want you to sell, you also see what people buy. And yeah. then... And then so strategy can be as much as being flexible and knowing that we're going to adjust some of our proposition around mm. around how customers respond. Yeah, but okay. it's got to be behind that, you know, authentic voice of who who we are at its core. It's funny. It's conversation. I mean, in food, it's slightly mm. more challenging. I think in terms of local tastes and yes. so on, and and sourcing of ingredients mm. and so, so on. But it's a debate that we've had quite a lot of. And it's really easy for the conversation to veer into a place where you kind of get this sense of panic. Like we've got to change all this stuff. Oh my goodness! But actually, when it comes back, when it comes back down to it, it's back to what I said, which is know who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, people aren't coming <laughs> on aeroplanes or however they're getting here to London and seeking out the Liberty or or Fortnum and Mason because they want what they can get back home. Exactly. Don't no. you know? So so <laughs> being true. really true to who you yeah. are. And then when you rock it to a place, adjust. And it might be no more than 10 or 15%. 
but, but it's core. really easy yeah. to to have the whole conversation go the other way. And then all of a sudden you kind of end up in a bit of a buggers muddle, if I'm allowed to say that, yeah, where you've kind of lost <laughs> <laughs> where you've lost who you are yeah. and, and what you stand for. And then, you know, don't underestimate these are we're not no one here is dealing with a, a single territory customer mm. you know people know liberty because when they come to london mm. it's on their plan it's on their itinerary just like it is for fortnum mm. so they come and they experience and they go oh and are and hear the creak of the staircase and smell mm. the smells and have the carpet and all of that great stuff and then when they go home and they are triggering those memories or thinking oh what yeah. then the, so if you all of a sudden in their own market you've gone well actually we're all about <laughs> cheese covered biscuits then yeah it, you're kind of damaging your own brand. Mm. It's not to say it's all straightforward, but I think it, you know, be, having the debate and being able to pull it back yeah. a little mm. bit is quite an important. Right. I'm just going to change gear without a clutch now. Um, one of the questions we get asked is about your careers, because obviously we're talking here, you both have like wonderful jobs. Question is, how do you get here? So lots of people, you know, the traditional retail paths aren't the same as they used to be. Uh, so let's start off with you, Zia. Uh, before you arrived, this foodie authentic heaven, what was the career path to getting to uh, to your role? So if I start at the very, very beginning. And, yeah, we can leave out lots of the, the checkered, checkered <laughs> stuff of working in a dole office and all those glamorous yeah, yeah. jobs. Um, but I started out in retail back in the late 90s, early noughties, and that's where, for me, I just fell in love with digital and e-commerce as the UK was beginning to kind of wake up to it. That, so that's where I started. I spent a long time there doing, selling furniture online and kitchens mm. that, you know, I remember hearing the board say, no one will ever buy it. This internet thing will go away. And luckily it didn't for all our sakes. Um, <laughs> and so after that, after a, quite a long stint there, I then went agency side and have spent quite a number of years in agency land working with 90% of the big retailers across the UK plus utility companies like them and telcos. So, mm. A deep, kind of deep experience in the digital space, working, helping brands understand how you take a brand or a business strategy and then what's all this e-commerce stuff, what, what does that yeah. do? And then blending the two together. Moving quickly on, I was fortunate enough to um, meet the then food director uh, of Selfridges who had inherited the e-com category there <laughs> and needed some help. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I went over to, to become head of online at, at Selfridges. And it was a, it was important to me to be somewhere I could make a difference because I worked mm. with lots of the big houses who were doing good stuff. They had the big programs in place yeah. and every consultant mm. under the sun doing the big multi-channel program. Oh, yeah. And actually, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to be part of that. So um, I went to, to Selfridges, which is an incredibly exciting and um, enjoyable and hard and brilliant place to be um, and helped turn around their online offer. And that food director then went off to be the CEO of Fortnum Mason and said, you bang on about all this customer experience stuff and joining all the dots yeah. up, so come on. But interesting, you didn't go as e-com director, multi-channel yeah. director. Uh, it was, I remember when you got the job, just saying how it's just the jammiest job title <laughs> in the world. And now you've proven me right mm. by explaining the role. So uh, a conspicuous move there away from channel to brand meets customer i think at the heart of everything i've done in the digital space when you unpick it is experience design mm. so whether you call it service design or you call it uh, multi-channel mm. design i have a deep rooted kind of experience in taking customers needs and behaviors mm. and brand and blending the two things and working out how one works with the other mm. and so i spent a long time in my 
previous life to Fortnum's going, it's really annoying. You kind of, e-com gets seen as this one thing in and of itself. And, you know, the stock issue of like, so the, the merchandisers want to put the thing that they've got on stock in stock loads of on the front of the website. <laughs> yeah. and, and you're like, but this is, this is selfages. Like mm. this is sexy and glamour and aspiration. So no, I want the thing that actually is a ridiculous amount of money and we've only got two of in the entire yes. business yep. because that's what people That's expect. the magnet. That's what they expect. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was part of the transformation. And obviously my, the highlight of my time there was probably when we sold a £14,000 Alexander McQueen dress mm-hmm. and I personally had to go down to the shop floor and get out of the street. Fine. Or just in case someone else bought at the same time. It's mine, it's mine. But, but that, I mean, that in, re- in reality, experience design is the only way I can articulate mm-hmm. it. And so whether that's brand or business, it's it's taking the, those ways. Great. And I'm yeah incredibly fortunate to do what I do. I think the other two things is just work hard and be nice, right? Mm. Like right. um, you'll explain those to me uh, later. Yeah, Eric. So a slightly different start. I um, didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left university, but I had some friends who worked in consulting, so I joined a strategy consultancy place. It was transaction work, so a lot of private equity work, and then a lot of corporate strategy. Short, intense projects. You're in for four to eight weeks. Mm. Lots of numbers, lots of crunching, and then coming out with a list of things which you kind of say these are these are these are the five things that you should do, and this is what amazing value it will deliver. But then um, you leave, and then you leave. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you leave, and and, and then they that, ignore it all, and you're like, well, we gave you now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it's either satisfying, and and it can be satisfying, uh, but it can also be really frustrating. And I had a degree of self awareness, so after a while, I realised that I had no idea how people actually did things and it'll probably be quite useful to you know experience that and see if I was any good at it um as in taking those five things is actually doing them. yeah it will try and do one of them <laughs> yeah. maybe, even. um rather than just saying you know this is a good list of stuff to do you know yeah. see if I could actually deliver it um because clearly that was difficult too um and my one of my old bosses then went to um a, a retailer as a strategy director and she was looking to recruit so I followed her and I ended up uh, doing just what we said we wouldn't do in our uh, in our current retailers, which was adding a lot of new categories <laughs> to the online version. But it was a catalogue business at heart uh, in its core. So, um, but that was all about endless. Know who you are? Endless, yeah, you know, you endless really uh, And we did lots of other bits and pieces. But I was there for a few years. I guess end of the noughties into 2011. But I was commuting up to Liverpool, and I was keen to move back. So I then caught up with uh, an advisor to that business. So it's all through kind of people you know, nothing yeah. um, particularly meritocratic in some respects. But uh, I then ended up joining Ecomera because um, an advisor to uh, the business I was at ran that. And I thought, well, I'll work there for a few weeks and hopefully I'll meet some other e-commerce businesses and they might want to hire me. Um <laughs> None of them really this wanted to hire me. All of all the things I say to my uh, daughters about career planning, yeah, yeah. they're going to listen to this because I make them, and they say, "See, Dad, you yeah, just yeah. do what we like." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And and I had an amazing time. I was there for six and a half years. I worked with lots and lots of different retailers. Uh, I then worked more with brands. I helped them not just do e-commerce and their multi-channel and omni-channel, but then start thinking about marketplace. And the and the remit was broad. Built a lovely team, and I joined as a not even as an employee, as a contractor, you know, I had no plans of staying mm. in there. It was just, you know, a good example of how, you know, opportunity can be good. I'd always loved Liberty. I spoke earlier about how I had such a fond memory of it uh, as a, as a seven-year-old, trying to bring this nebulous word that we all hear of called omni-channel to a one-store business. I thought that's mm. got to be a challenge. 
Um, <laughs> and they never hired my services, but I kept uh, staying in contact with them. And then eventually they, um, they, they <laughs> relented. Yeah. Um, and I became e-commerce director there two and a half years ago. And it's been you know, fabulous. It's been so much fun. It's been challenging. I've had some of those ridiculous experiences compared to my Excel days. Mm. Uh, you know, like and so, 16, 17 years ago, it's it's such a joy having that mix of still some thinking, still some of that where, where should we prioritize based on our customers and opportunity. But then the day-to-day, -day, you know, task of bringing this stuff home. Mm. Um, and so that's the five be... things that you would normally have left yourself with. Yeah. Uh, when you arrive at the desk, they go, I've got these five things. What's one that's been the hardest to do? Uh, well, I mean, the most embarrassingly difficult one is I we really struggle to do beauty samples, which is such a tiny little bit of, uh, of mm. our offer. But technically and operationally, that is my, you know, kind of Alan Partridge awful moment where... You know, I decided to do it two and a half years ago and we still can't reliably do it. And all we're doing is giving free stuff to customers. And that should be really easy. And we found that really difficult. Um, but I can get product personalized and that's really difficult because yeah. I know I've tried to do that before and it took us years and I can personalize hundreds and hundreds of items in, in, in store online. But giving that but, magic but freebie. In, but ensuring that someone knows what beauty sample they're getting in the parcel and that they're actually getting it. Yeah. Um, That's great work from our perspective. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's, I mean it's it's not it's not the technology. It's the implement, well, you know it's a complexity, yeah. right? It's um so there are those things that are quite difficult. It's the unexpected little things because the big projects you know are going to be difficult. So there are no no surprises there. You you know it's going to be hard. It's hard. It's the stuff that you didn't expect to be difficult. That's mm. difficult because you didn't put enough resource behind it. Um, but, you know, but that's, that's all right. Or, or I think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> my team aren't here to There are people now thinking I have to go into store just to get my samples. Yeah. Well, look, um, time's running out. It could uh, go on all day. But mm -hmm. uh, just before we leave, um, what's the exciting thing? You think, thank God that podcast's over. I can get back to doing thing X. What's, what's the, the big excitement on your plate as you, uh, as you leave today? Opening our store and restaurant in Hong Kong. I cannot wait. We've got the best views over the water. Oh. I cannot wait to sit in that restaurant and have a cup of tea and see across water and see the amazing work that a huge team of really hardworking people have uh, going to deliver. Great. Well, I look and forward to seeing that. And seeing the first kind of Alipay payment go through. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was so, uh, yeah, the money as well. Well, look, um, you've, you've turned up with your ready-to-board kit. So uh, <laughs> thank you for stopping off on the way to uh, uh, the airport for that. So good luck with that. I uh, hope it's a fantastic success. We'll see that on uh, Instagram, I'm sure. Eric, what fun have you got uh, waiting for you? I really should have gone first, shouldn't I? I mean, it, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm not opening a store in uh, one of the world's greatest cities uh, tomorrow, which is a shame. Um, we've got Christmas, and Christmas is so exciting. It's exhausting, but it's exciting. And bringing through and trading through that and bringing out the you know the the special exclusives is going to be fantastic. Yeah. And but you're not excluding children of the poor from seeing Father Christmas, though. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Our event sold out, unfortunately, but it was available to all. Lovely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I'll I'll get a letter from someone. I'm sure about that. Uh, guys, look, what can I say? Thank you so much. Um, the thing that I find so exciting about this is that people bringing. Uh, genuine experiences to life 
over and above just you know, cranking the handle of retail. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as, as we come up to peak season, just to see that integrity and differentiation, you know, after those days of 102 stores, mm. cheers what's left of my wizened heart. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I love healthy tension, by the way, you two. Healthy tension. Love that. <laughs> really I think good. also known as fighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Depends on your winning or not, doesn't it? No, exactly. <laughs> Debate. Yeah, looking forward to Christmas? Is yeah. it going to be a good Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I hope so. Because there's lots of... Uh... I mean, look, no, no, we're not... General election in two weeks before Christmas is not needed by anyone. I've been joking. We should uh, open a poll polling booth in our <gasps> in store. What a great idea! Can you imagine? Yeah. Bream bream fat yeah. canopies and and voting or a few pop ups at the the, the, the so most finally get some polling menu. station. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a cup of tea and some mince pies outside. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just check them out.